the word we have out there today. Yes. So I, I will be speaking primarily from Luke 12, um, just the parable that, uh, or Jesus teaching his disciples, and a couple of other scriptures kind of peppered in there as well. So um, are you ready to go? Awesome. So last week, um, John touched on, I'm going to touch a little bit on John's uh, message last week, just to kind of prime the pump a little bit. Um, last week, John taught about the power of faith-filled words. How many of you were here for that? How many uh, had got something out of that? Yeah, that was a powerful thing. So he said, faith speaks. Fear also speaks, right? Uh, he touched on the report that Caleb and Joshua brought back to Moses about the promised land and how awesome it was, um, and they were going to go take it because God promised them uh, that was their land. So they were excited about it. But there were other spies that had, that had gone with them, and they spread about a bad report saying, oh, there's giants in the land, their cities are fortified, and they spread fear throughout all of the Israelite camp, and inevitably the camp ended up just taking that and believing that and even threatened to stone Joshua and Caleb and, and all, that st- all that stuff. So what, one phrase that stuck out to me uh, from John's message was, don't agree with your negative circum- what your negative circumstances are telling you. Stand on and agree with the promises of God. That's so powerful. So whose report are you believing? I'm going to be asking a lot of questions today just to kind of uh, thought provoke, uh, but whose report are you believing today? I encourage you today to believe in what God has promised and what He is speaking. So speak life into a situation that seems hopeless and dream with God again. Amen. Let's do this. So before uh, before we jump in, uh, I'm going to read a quick scripture and then we're going to stand to our feet and pray together. Can we do that? As we are a praying church, I'm going to read Philippians 4, 6, and I've got my big Bible here. It's awesome. Okay, let's get in there if I can find it. There we go. Where is it? Uh Uh-oh. Get up on the board. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in exchange for your anxiety today, in exchange for your, wor- your worry, excuse me, I'm, having, I'm kind of battling something right now. Uh, in exchange for your worry, let the peace of God, which transcends understanding, guard your heart today. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray, and then we'll jump in together with the, uh, our sermon here. Let's lift our hands. Father, thank you for your kingdom come and your will be done today. Enable us, your children and servants, to hear what your spirit is saying. Use my voice as your instrument today. Allow your word to penetrate deep into our hearts and souls to plant seeds, water seeds already sown, and produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Lord, we ask for revival of heart. Reconcile sons and fathers. Lord, reconcile daughters to mothers. Heal broken marriages. Heal broken relationships. Help us to forgive those we need to forgive. 
so that what feels like is blocking the flow of your spirit in our life, blocking the flow of your anointing in our life will be removed and your spirit would begin to flow in us and through us right now in Jesus' name. In fact, let it overflow and spill out onto those around us. We thank you for your faithfulness today, God. We thank you that you hear us and that you never leave us. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. You may be seated. So, my title, the title of my sermon today is, Don't Worry. Easier said than done. <laughs> so, what are you worried about in your life right now? What are the things that cause you to worry so much? Is it the news? You guys watch the news media? Worry and fear drive that business, right? It's big business. An article from Psychology Today, I was reading uh, some, from back in 2011, Deborah Sarani said, if it bleeds, it leads. Understanding fear-based media, fear-based news stories prey on the anxieties of all uh, anxieties we have and then hold us hostage. Being glued to the television, reading the paper, or surfing the internet increases ratings and market shares, but it also raises the probability of a depression relapse, right? In previous decades, the journalistic mission was to report the news as it actually happened with uh, with fairness, balance, and integrity. However, capitalistic motives associated with journalism have forced much of today's television news to look at the spectacular, the stirring, the controversial as news stories. It is no longer a race to break the story first, get the facts right instead to acquire good ratings in order to get good advertisers and the profits soar. That's too bad. Social media. You guys all have a Twitter account, right? Or a Facebook account or Snapchat, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Social media, comparison game. Discontentment, jealousy, Addiction to the approval of others, depression, anxiety. I'm not saying social media is evil, but studies have shown that if you are on that, these are the kinds of things that it produces, unfortunately. A survey conducted by the Royal Society of Public Health asked 14 to 24-year-olds in the UK how social media platforms impacted their health and well-being. The survey results found that Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all led to increased feelings of depression, anxiety, poor body image, and loneliness, right? So I'm going to get real here. There's things that I worry about, and I know you you probably relate to me in this area. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a leader. I'm also a manager of of a pest control company, so I've got a lot on my shoulders, I've got a lot of people to lead, and, and I have things to worry about. So maybe in your area today, and you're thinking about, um, you know, your, your situation, the things that you're worried about, and the emotions that you're having, that's okay. But maybe you can identify with some of these questions. Will I be able to provide for my family? Am I wasting time in my current career? And should I be doing something else? Am I really doing what God has called me to do? Or am I just kind of going through the motions and doing what others expect of me? 
I'm getting older. Am I still going to be relevant? <laughs> I think this stuff sometimes. Am I being a good father and demonstrating to my kids what it means to, to know and love God? Or am I just ruining them because of being too busy or too impatient? So have you ever, can you relate to some of these questions? Am I speaking to anybody today? Okay. And, and this is not a cry for help, I promise. <laughs> I'm up here, I'm sharing, I'm just relating, trying to get common ground with you. I'm not, like, everyone's out there like, oh my God, we should pray for him. <laughs> no. I'm just finding commonplace. Um, what if I don't steward the things that God gave me well? Okay, so sometimes we can ask these questions, but what I've found from time to time is that when I ask myself these kinds of questions and I get into that sort of downward spiral of negative thinking, I'm either in a place of fear, doubt, unbelief, and I'm not trusting God, because I haven't been praying or haven't been in the Word or I'm stretched too thin and I'm overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Or, and this is the other side of the coin, you're under spiritual attack. And the enemy is trying to sow seeds of fear, doubt, and unbelief into you and try to steal something because he is the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So my hope and prayer for you today Uh, We're going to get into the Word. I know this is kind of a long intro. I'm just kind of setting the stage a little bit for you. My hope and prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit unlocks a new level of trust in the love of God, the peace of God, the power of God, provision of God, and intimacy. Amen? So as children of God, what do we do when we are surrounded by or burdened by and sometimes gripped by worry and anxiety. First point is we get in the Word so the Word can get in you. You know, Scripture says that your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Word of God is, is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing even to the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our mind. Right? It's living and active, and it's our weapon of warfare. It's our sword of the Spirit. Let's turn uh, to Luke 12, 22 through 26. This is going to be my main outline for the rest of the, uh, the sermon here. Luke 12, 23 through 26. We have that? Perfect. Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Listen to me, never let anxiety enter your hearts. Never worry about any of your needs, such as food or clothing, for your life is infinitely more than just food or the clothing you wear. Take the carefree birds as your example. Do you ever see them worry? They don't grow their own food or put it on a storehouse or in a storehouse for later, yet God takes care of every one of them, feeding each of them from his love and goodness. Isn't your life more precious to God than birds? Be carefree in the care of God. This doesn't just mean like be, you know, just my free spirit, not going to be a good steward, you know. He's saying just let God take care of that. Be carefree in his presence because he's got this. Don't worry. Oh, does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even one day? So if worrying adds nothing but actually subtracts from your life, 
Why would you worry about God's care for you? Think about the lilies. They grow and become beautiful not because they work hard or strive to clothe themselves. Yet not even Solomon wearing his kingly garments of splendor could be compared to the field of lilies. If God can clothe the fields and meadows with grass and flowers, can't he clothe you as well? Oh, struggling one with so many doubts. That's the name of my new band. I repeat it. Don't let worry enter your life. Yeah, let's finish this. Live, up, live above the anxious cares above your personal needs. People everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. Each and every day he will supply your needs as you seek his kingdom passionately above all else. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. I love what Jesus says in verse 25 through 27. I love the questions he asks there. Is does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even one day? If worrying adds nothing but actually subtracts from your life, why, why worry about God's care of you? It's interesting that Jesus uses time in, in, in its parallel with worry. How many studies have been done uh, on anxiety and the effects that it has on somebody's body and mental, you know, health and all that kind of stuff? Stress, stress kills, right? There's heart attacks, there's stroke, there's, there's uh, intestinal issues, there's all kinds of stuff that, that happens to somebody when they're just overcome with fear, anxiety, and worry, Right? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for your soul. So the second point is, trust in his word and believe in his goodness. Anxiety, well, it's, you've been in that situation when you've prayed, when you've worshipped, but you still have that anxiety. You're still going through it. Right? When God revealed his goodness to Moses, Moses was stuck. I've said this before. Moses was stuck between a rock and a hard place. He put Moses in the crest of the rock, and then he, shown his, he showed his goodness to him. So I kind of thought of, like, interesting how he put Moses between a rock and a hard place, and then he showed him his goodness. In prayer this morning, I got a word that a lot of times, in fact, almost all the time, God is always trying to get you to the end of yourself to realize, okay, now we can begin. Because if you could do it, there would be no need for God's provision, right? If you could do it all in your own power, in your own control, deal with your worry, deal with your anxiety, then what would the peace of God be? What would the peace of God be? So the question is, what if I've cast all my anxiety on him and the situation hasn't changed, or I still feel anxious, I'm still going through it? I got a couple points here to think might help. In these moments, we have to choose to see things the way God sees them. We have to choose. It is a choice. 
If you go back to Luke 12, you see that he says, don't allow anxiety into your heart. Don't allow it. So, huh, things are happening all around us, but he says, don't allow it. So does that mean that I have the power in Jesus to not allow it to enter in? What does the scripture say? Take captive every thought. Okay, I'm preaching a little bit now. It's all good. (laughs) So we have to choose to see things the way God sees them. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Amen? The second point is we have, we have to position ourselves not as one striving to get the victory, but as one who already has the victory. So many times prayers and, and times in my life where I'm, I'm crying out for something that Jesus already paid for, you know? Have you been there before? So we have to choose to see things the way that God sees them. We have to position ourselves from victory, not striving for victory. Just like Joshua in the promised land that John talked about last week. He knew it was theirs. God promised it. Promised land's yours. So even your circumstances don't dictate the promises of God in your life. Amen? Christ is our victory. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Romans 8, uh, verse 31 through 37. Such a powerful scripture. What then shall we say in response to these things? He was talking about tribulations and trials. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? You are chosen. You are chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for you. So whatever trial, tribulation, worry, anxiety that you have, just know that God is for you. Nothing else can be against you. God is for you, and you're seated with him in heavenly places. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword uh, separate us from the love of Christ? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. So there's that scripture again, or that phrase, from victory, not striving to get the victory. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So understanding that when you're going through it, when you're going through something, you're connected, you're seated with Christ. Choose, we have, we have a choice to make. We choose to see things the way God sees them. We choose to stand in our position as we are seated with Christ. And we choose to not allow fear, anxiety, and worry to enter in. So start speaking those promises over your life. Amen? Three, be obedient to the word and follow Christ's example. I'm going to read Philippians here. This is about Christ's example. Christ's example of humility, more specifically, is what I'm going to read about. It's a powerful scripture. I'm just going to jump up a couple more scriptures, but it's going to be Philippians 2, verses 5, Chris. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Now, here it is. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death and even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. So humility. The Son of the living God, God himself in the flesh, humbled himself to be a servant. So what is the expectation for us? To go and do likewise. James 1, 22 through 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So up to this point in Luke 12, Jesus is explaining how valuable we are to God. Are you still with me? Have I lost you yet? No? Good. All right, good. <laughs> Jesus is explaining how valuable we are to God, and he instructs us to not allow worry into our lives. Um, when I was reading the next portion of Scripture, I couldn't help but wonder if it could be maybe a remedy to anxiety and worry, kind of like a solution to it. So let's read it. Luke 12, verse 33 and 34, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation if you haven't noticed. So now, this is after he talks about everything I just explained. So now go and sell what you have and give to those in need, making deposits into your account in heaven, an account that will never be taken from you. Your gifts will become a secure and unfailing treasure deposited in heaven forever. Where you deposit your treasure, that is where your thoughts will turn and your heart will be there also. So could it be the remedy for worry is giving? 
Maybe. <laughs> Jesus said it. It reminds me of the rich young ruler. Think about that story for a second. Does everyone know that story? The rich young ruler, wealthy young man, had a lot of possessions, had a lot of wealth. And he says, teacher, what must I do to uh, inherit in eternal life? And this, this guy was just wealthy, and he kept the law. Jesus says, okay, obey your father and mother and, and, and all this stuff. And obey the law. Uh, love the Lord your God. Teacher, I've done all that from my youth. So he was religious. He was, he was a good boy. <laughs> and Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And he walked away sad because he had great wealth. I even think scripture says the rich man had wealth, but really, really the wealth had him. So in my own personal life, as I was saying before, if I'm experiencing worry and anxiety and I'm just so focused on my, my job and, and what others are thinking of me and stuff like that, that is just, I'm not connected and the situation has me instead of me having the situation. Does that make sense? I'm not necessarily saying that, all right, everybody, if you're wealthy, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What I am saying is check your heart this morning. Check your heart. Check your life. Maybe there's some lies you're believing. Maybe there's... Maybe, you're, maybe this is religion to you and not necessarily a relationship to you. And God may be asking you to surrender something. So, check that. The seed, the other, the other reference was the seed growing among the thorns. In Matthew 13, 22, it says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Are you being choked out by the word? Or is your word being choked out by the cares of this life? So if you're feeling constricted by life's pressures, um, we're gonna, I, I'm going to open up the altar like way early because we started way early, um, the sermon. So I would love in just maybe a few minutes after I finish, like, the remedy for worry, I would love for us to just take a moment before we do that to, to contemplate, meditate, and think about maybe some of the lies that we're believing to grab a hold of those worries and those anxieties right now as children of God and cast them right before the Lord this morning. I believe the remedy, the opposite of worry, is going to be peace. This morning you're going to feel the Holy Spirit's peace. You're going to feel um, love, as I was saying before, the love of God, the peace of God, the power of God, the provision of God, and intimacy with God. I believe you're going to feel that. So why don't we just take a few moments right now and try to identify those lies and those things that we are worried about right now in our lives and I, I may just invite the worship team back up here to do, to do um, how he loves us. 
so that we can encounter and experience, experience that and, and pray with one another. And then, Mark, I'll have you maybe take it to, uh, to an application point as well. So three things. The remedy for worry is, one, trusting that God will take care of your needs, giving to others like Christ commanded us to, and then serving others like Christ served. Amen? Was this, is, I know this was a quick word and this was a, an encouragement, but I really felt like I wanted to do something uh, more applicable in these next few moments together. And, and because what I always say, encounter requires what? Participation. Encounter requires participation. So let's, let's come together right now. You can stand up. You can sit there. Let's take a moment and, and start to recognize maybe the worry and the anxiety, and the lies you may be, may be believing. Holy Spirit, we come before you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you right now. We know that you are here in this place. We trust you to speak to us. We trust you with our wealth. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our hearts. When we are overwhelmed, when we are feeling fear, doubt and unbelief, Lord God. We know that we can run to you because our help comes from you. And when we wait upon you, Lord, strength rises. I'm reminded of when Paul said there was a thorn in his flesh and three times he prayed that it would go away, that Lord would take care of it. And the Lord didn't. He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Come, if you've come to the end of yourself, then you've come to the right place. Ask the Holy Spirit right now, Lord, what am I believing that isn't true? Have I let anxiety and worry rule and sit on the throne of my heart? And if I have, give me the strength right now to surrender it and to move forward today, this day forward, in hope. And in confidence. So I'd like to invite um, the prayer teams down to the front right now. And we're just going to worship some more. As we're praying for each other, come boldly. Come with confidence. Come in faith. You are going to experience the peace that surpasses understanding. And that's many times how the Lord first reveals that He's close by His you take a deep breath and all of a sudden you just feel, I haven't had this much mental clarity in a long time. Depression, if you're depressed today, if you're battling with that, I believe God wants to, to set you free from that. If you're gripped with anxiety and you're having anxiety attacks and panic attacks, God wants to set you free from that.
identity, your confidence in your identity in Christ is going to be restored. Am I speaking to anyone today? Prayer teams, come on down to the front. Thank you, guys. So I'm going to, I'm involved in a very, very difficult lawsuit in Canada that was not of my doing. It's a family situation that has overtaken me and um, it's costing a great deal of money, which is a real threat. And uh, the anxiety has been more than I've experienced in 30, 35 years. Waking up in the night in terror, overwhelming panic and fear. The worst of it is, and this is what I want you to get, this is really important. The worst of it is that I'm ashamed of myself. Because I teach about this stuff teach about faith and I look at my reaction to this situation and I say I don't have any faith and so on top of the problem that already exists the enemy gets to heap shame on me that's really unfair but I think I'm not the only one sit here this morning and I think there's other people in a state of anxiety somewhat like what I am and I wonder if you feel ashamed of yourself I should have more faith why am I so weak I need to be strong why do I have so much trouble claiming the promises of God in me of all people Do you ever feel, does anybody else in this room ever feel that way? Mark, even. Come on. Mark, even when your intentions are like super pure, I was just listening to this girl talking about PTSD. She was saying that some of the people that are going out, they're in the military, they're just in the civilian world, and they go out and they help somebody real quick. They feel guilty that they went to save somebody risking their life for their children, and they should have been thinking about their children and not save that person. And they feel guilty for doing the right thing. Yes, see, Eric, there's, there's, guys, the one thing we have to give the enemy for, credit for, is creativity. He never lacks in some kinky, twisted, perverse way of using your own goodness against you. And I hear everything that Josh said. 
I don't know that it dents the problem. I'm not sure. The Lord said to me months ago, I was complaining about the panic attacks and the anxiety and my lack of faith and everything else. And he said, when this is over, fear won't be a theme in your life anymore. I thought to myself, that's worth the price of admission. But God, I hate the process. I had no idea how weak I was. But here's the thing, and it fits your message perfectly. When I wake up in the night, and I can't, you know, the nighttime when you're halfway between sleeping and waking and your brain's not strong enough to fight against the emotions you're feeling, so you're just getting the crap kicked out of you, basically. Emotionally beat to crap. And I wake up in in that state of mind and I just think, how many people in our church right now are going through some kind of panic, some kind of fear, some kind of anxiety, And I know a whole bunch of you are. And here's what happens. I start praying for you. People, there's nobody can pray for you like somebody who's in the same crap that you're in. Because they understand what you're going through. And Josh's point is really simple. I've watched Shelly do this with her pain. You want to overcome your pain. You want to live above your pain care about somebody else in that moment more than you care about yourself. Just see if you can say there's somebody else suffering as much or more than I am right now. I mean, I look at some of your situations. The worst thing I can do is go broke. I'm still alive. Some of you are facing death. Huge loss. I don't know where your strength comes from to do it. Maybe it comes from someone else who just happens to be praying for you. Hello? Found a depth of compassion for people who are suffering from anxiety. Like, I've never known I could have that passion before. You only get that compassion when you're in it because you finally understand what they're going through. And the pat answers don't mean very much, to be honest with you. I don't need another sermon, okay? I need someone that's praying for me. You don't need another sermon, although it was a really good one, and you nailed, you nailed a lot of issues, Josh. Got to get my mind off of myself and onto other people's suffering. And I got to ask myself, what are the lies? Listen, every time anxiety comes, it only has the power of a lie. You see, there has to be a lie for it to attach to or it can't get to you. There's some some mistake in your thinking about yourself or God, okay? It's really only one or the other. Either it's a lie about yourself or it's a lie about the nature of God. But somewhere in that persecution you're experiencing is the power of a lie. And if we can say what Josh is saying, which we got to do, What is the lie I'm believing today about you, Father, or about myself that's causing this thing to get access to me? And when you discover the lie, you can ask him a simple question. 
tell me the truth. And don't tell me the truth theoretically. I need the truth applied to myself. I need to experience the truth. Truth is of little use if it's not experienced. Truth must become from a word to an experience. God, I don't just need to hear you. I need to touch you. I, you need to touch me with the truth in this moment. It's an encounter, people. Anybody here suffering from any measure of anxiety? Join me by sticking your hand in the air if you are. Well, good God, look at us. We're screwed up people. Maybe that's our... No, you, you be quiet, Francisco. I'm preaching. We, we are broken inside. We need Him. What, this, what anxiety is telling you, the, the, the message behind the anxiety is, look how much you need me. God's saying, look how much you need me. And the beautiful thing, I, I just got up here to tell you one thing. He doesn't judge you for your anxiety. What was Jesus' anxiety like the night before he died? Have you sweat blood yet? And God didn't say, what a worthless little loser you are. God understands our anxiety. Jesus went through it. We got to find him in it, people. We got to find him in it. So let's just do it right now. For, for us that are suffering from anxiety, fear, uncertainty for the future, doubting God's love for us, doubting His power, whatever it is, let's just ask Him. Take a minute. Let's close your eyes. Father, what's the lie I'm believing about You? What's the lie I'm believing about myself? that continually gives fear and anxiety access to my mind and my emotions and my body. What's the lie I'm believing? Has he shown you the lie? If he's shown you a lie, stick up your hand. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well done, Lord. Now let's take this a step further. Now that we got a hold of the lie, it's, it's way less powerful than it was. Now let's, let's go after it. Father, by your Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Please communicate the truth that I need to hear right now that will destroy the power of that lie and restore your peace to me. What is the truth I need to hear from you, Lord, right now before I leave this room? What is the truth I need to hear today? Now listen. praise time here. What did he say to you? Anyone? Share it. What did he...
that you are worthy. You are worthy to receive peace. You are worthy to receive His love. What else did He say? I will provide for you. I will provide for you. There is no end for my love. More than enough. Thank you, Jesus. What else did he say? I, I am fighting the battle. The Lord said to the children of Israel as they're on the shore of the Red Sea, about to get slaughtered by the most powerful army in, in human history at that point in time. God said, <laughs> he said, uh, these Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Here's the part that really rocked my world. You need only to be still. It's his fight, people. It's our fight to trust him, but it's his fight to take care of us. These Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. What did he say? Restoration. And that can mean so many things. Something's being restored. People, listen. As hard as it is to believe, in the middle of the crisis you're in right now, in the middle of the crisis I'm in right now, something is being restored. Something that we missed somewhere along the way that should have been built into us to give us great peace and sense of His well-being. Something is being restored. The Lord's just guiding me here. Uh, Close your eyes. Close your eyes. What's being restored? What purpose? What purpose does this suffering have? God never lets a suffering go without adding a purpose to it. The enemy brings it for the sake of suffering, and the Lord allows it for the sake of a purpose. What's the restoration? What is he restoring in you through this crisis? Father, what is it? What is it, Lord? What did he say? What's he restoring? Anybody? That you have worth. Thank you, Lord. What else? Trust. Confidence. Joy. Hmm? Unity. What else? Hmm? Your heart. You know what he said to me? Freedom. I'm restoring your freedom. God is so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Okay, look. This has been a real fruitful exercise here. But some of you need to take it a step further and you need to come forward and you need to have somebody here lay hands on you and actually speak these words one person to another on God's behalf. Sometimes, I know it's weird, but sometimes it just doesn't seem like enough to have heard from Him. Isn't that bizarre? You need to have somebody with flesh and blood look you in the eyes and tell it to you. And if that's you, please don't leave here without getting that help. So we're having ministry time now. You can come forward with any anxiety, any fear, any problem, physical illness, relational uh, brokenness, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. 
come forward and get your prayer. Have a human being lay hands on you and speak on God's behalf into your life. So let's keep on worshiping.